and welcome to another episode of the Burt's Books podcast. Me and Michael are back. We've had a week's break. We have, we have. You've been away. I've been away. I've been at a wedding. In a, in, a, in a field? In a field, yes. Looking yes. like, uh, ter- making Theresa May jealous. Yes, indeed. Ran through some wheat. It was lovely. Yeah, lovely. Just nice topical to uh, five-year out-of-date Yeah, reference. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so, I actually have a bit of a, a, a bone to pick. I'm so not, sorry. Not with you. Oh, that makes a change. With the listeners. Okay. Because they do say, they do say they listen. Yeah. They say they listen to the podcast, they like our reviews. Yeah. I didn't get a single message asking us where we were last week. Just not like, one person. <laughs> they're just glad we shut up for five minutes. Yeah. So, I'm just, just going to put this out there and say, if anybody is listening, do get in touch. Say hello. hello. Um, we would love to hear from you. We would, yes. It is uh, or find us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Um, in doing your... this backwards tonight. I know. Oh I'm going to do it again later. Okay. Um, in your week off, did you read a lot? Um, I've managed to get a couple of books done, yes. Wonderful. So we're talking about oh, those. I said that wonderful word again. You did. Uh, what was that? Uh, one minute, ten seconds. Good, okay. You haven't learned. Have no, you? I haven't. No. Have um, you read as well? I have read. Good. I read uh, one big book. Yes. And one other little book. Lovely. I, I think the heat last week oh, was a bit really much. got to me. Yeah. Um, so I didn't read as much as I'd have liked because nice. I was just so tired when I went to bed. So it's probably a good thing that we didn't have an episode last weekend. Yes, probably. Because we would have had anything to talk no. about. Um, so <laughs> should we get on? Should we just get on with yeah, it? Because we've got on. four books to talk yes, about. Yes, we do. Yes, let's right. go on. Uh, are you going to go first? You're going to go first. I'm going first. And okay. what is your first book? So, I can't go a week without mentioning Agatha Christie, obviously. Oops. This isn't Agatha Christie. What? This is Agatha Christie a la Muppet Babies. You know, we're going for... Okay. Young Agatha Christie. So, I'm, I've done the second I book... I thought you meant made of felt. No, no. <laughs> the second book in the Murder Most Unladylike series. Ah, um, yes. So this by is Robin Stevens. By Robin Stevens, yes. This is a sequel. This is Arsenic for Tea. Um... But I don't think I'm going to say anything that's going to ruin anything from the first book. No. But it should be fine. So, the blurb is as follows. Schoolgirl detectives Daisy Wells and Hazel Wong are at Daisy's home, Fallingford, for the holidays. Daisy's glamorous mother is throwing a tea party for Daisy's birthday, and the whole family is invited, from eccentric Aunt Saskia to dashing Uncle Phoenix. Felix, sorry. Oh, dashing Uncle Phoenix? Uh, not quite. Sounds attractive. <laughs> but then, one of the party is murdered, and everything points to poison. With wild storms preventing anyone from leaving the house or the police from arriving, Fallingford suddenly feels very dangerous. Not a single person present is what they seem, and everyone has a secret or two. Love a big country house where suddenly the weather makes it difficult oh, for police to arrive. Yeah, absolutely. And so whoever's around has to solve the crime. Yes. And in this case, it's two young girls. It is two young girls, yes. So in the first book, um, we see Daisy and Hazel at... Um, their boarding school, yes, all girls' boarding school. In, it's nineteen thirty-four, I think. In that Deep one, Dean, I Deep think. Dean, yes. And um, they have set up a little detective club, and which gets serious when one of the teachers is found dead yes. at school. Um, this time, and they manage to solve that crime. Everything's wonderful. This time, they're back at Daisy's home, and another murder has taken place, and they're on the scene. Obviously, so they kind of get right. Let's see if we can solve this one as well. What makes this one particularly interesting is it's called Arctic Fatigue. I don't know if I actually said the, the title. You did. I did. Okay, that's fine. Um, so, what's really interesting is that the suspects include members of Daisy's family. Right. So, she's trying to solve a crime, but her mum, dad and brother are all suspects Ooh. as well. That doesn't really happen in an Agatha. No, I don't think there's anything um, Christie or Doyle ever did 
it, it's a really um, it really ramps up the pressure of it as well, and also probably the traumatic effects of this. This is going to have PTSD knockdown feelings later on. I have a feeling because uh, Robin Stevens seems to be writing them with much more of an emotional bent and yes. with much more from a modern viewpoint in the thirties environment. The characters, I will say, do like you say, have, they have a lot more depth to them mm. as detectives. And I don't know if that's partly because we're seeing it from their point of view, which we don't really see it with Poirot. No, maybe, because well, H Hazel is the one who narrates them, and yeah. she's basically the Hastings sort of figure, and the Watson figure, so she's um, writing the, the adventures up. But, um, yeah, we get to see a lot more about her as well. And also, I think the difference is, you know, those other ones are middle-aged men writing the stories up so there's no emotion it is just here are the facts and bodyguard and whatnot Agatha Christie's a middle-aged man Hastings is a middle-aged right. man right so in this one it's young girls who are much more open about their feelings and much more willing to talk about what's going on so I think that's a really interesting um, twist on the whole thing as well do that for it how do I mean how does it compare with Agatha it's it's, it's I mean you know you know I can't hold it anyway. no one holds his handle to Agatha no no but um, they are they are brilliant they are built as like kids or young adult books, but oh my god, you don't need to, you know, but one of them definitely you don't have to be a kid for. They are really well put together, really cleverly written. The characterisation is strong. Um, we're slowly learning more about the characters as it crocks on. As it crocks on? Crocks on? As it, um, they wear crocs. As it cra I, I've gone right as, off. I'm so sorry. As it cracks on, we're learning more and more. So in the first one, particularly, Daisy is. Um, very much like the Sherlock Holmes figure, that like, aha, I'm going to do this and you're going to do what I say, and it's all fine. And you sort of get the impression that Hazel is um, just following on and being like, oh, you know, i just got to do what she says because I've fallen in with the right person, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And in this one, so it turns out Daisy goes to her house and it's a big old country house and everything, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Hazel, her family live in Hong Kong. Yes. And what you hear about her family, her family are ten times richer than Daisy's. And you kind of go, well, hang on a minute, she's not actually as, you know secondary as we think she is she might actually be of a higher class than yeah daisy um but it, it so it's a quite an interesting take on that i think it's gonna be interesting to see how that plays out in future books and you read you've read the first one I read the first one a couple of years ago finally got to the second one i will be carrying on because there's about 10 i think yeah about are, nine or ten yeah and she's, got a, she's got a new one coming out uh, later this year which is not part of this series no um What's that called? The Ministry of Unladylike Activity, which yes. I think is aimed for like, the older audience as well. Yes, I think so. Um, because you sort of have to stop this one because the girl's getting too old to be able to just sneak around and not raise suspicion. <laughs> yes, but uh, I mean, this is the, this is sort of like the term after the first one, isn't it? It's not a following on like a year later. No, I, I think it's about it's a few months after the first one. Yeah, set. I think there's not a huge gap between any of them. So uh, I got as far as I, I certainly read. Jolly foul play, I think. That's from before, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, the next one is First Class Murder, which is Robin Stevens' take on Orient on the Murder Express. So Murder on the Orange Express. What did I say? Orient on the Murder Express. That would be a good yeah. book. Or possibly no, a bit I racist. Don't think, I don't think we can do that one anymore. Possibly a bit racist. Yes. Uh, so Murder on the Orange yes. Express. Uh, and then they go back to Deep Dean in Jolly Foul Play. So I read that one, I think. I don't think I've read Mistletoe Murder. No. So that might be where I'm up to. So I do need to uh, re return to this series. Yes. Maybe when you get to that point, we could read it at the same yes, time. Yes, that's a good idea. Yes, yes. So you, but you would recommend? Oh, totally. They are really, really good. Robin Stevens is doing brilliant things to the genre. Children and adults yeah, alike. Yeah, absolutely. Do it. Get on it. 
My turn! Yes? I have read, and this one's going to be, I think, a popular one with a lot of people who are listening. Okay. The Marriage Portrait by Maggie O'Farrell. Uh, oh, it yes. is not out yet. It comes out at the <clears throat> end of August. Teasing us again. I am. And it is one that I think a lot of people are looking forward to. Okay. So Maggie O'Farrell famously has written Hamnet, yes. which is uh, like absolutely smasher of a bestseller in the yeah, last yeah. few years and uh, prior to that she wrote I Am, I Am, I Am which is her non-fiction oh, biography yes, and uh, what I find and before I talk about this book what I find interesting about Maggie O'Farrell's career is that she's gone from doing I'm not going to say inconsequential but it was sort of like uh, run of no run of the mill doesn't even sound right either mm-hmm. it's basically standard fiction or that, that was sort of a woman goes home to Ireland right, and, yeah, and yeah. resolves her unresolved feelings, da 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 da, marriage might break up, find somebody she loves with. Not, not what you'd necessarily call chick lit, chick lit mm-hmm. but um, it was, and it was all very decent, like uh, Instructions for a Heatwave was one of them, which I really enjoyed. But with Hamnet on, and now the marriage portrait, she seems to have gone up a level, right. where she is now writing these great literary Tomes. That's it. She's probably a bit more literary now. Okay. Uh, I would say, and um, it's really interesting. Yes. So this one was called the Marriage Portrait. Let me read to you the blurb. Please do. Winter, fifteen sixty one. Lucrezia or Lucrezia, not sure. Lucrezia. Duchess of Ferrara is taken on an unexpected visit to a country villa by her husband Alfonso. As they sit down to dinner, it occurs to. What's her name? Lucrezia. Lucrezia. That Alfonso has a sinister purpose in bringing her here. He intends to kill her. Lucrezia is 16 years old and has led a sheltered life locked away inside Florence's grandest palazzo. Here, in this remote villa, she is entirely at the mercy of her increasingly erratic husband. What is Lucrezia to do with this sudden knowledge? What chance does she have against Alfonso, ruler of a province and a trained soldier? How can she ensure her survival? So... Mm-hmm. In the same way that Hamnet was based on the story of Shakespeare's son, yep. this is based on a real-life person. The Lucrezia, Duchess of Ferrara, was real. It's not Lucrezia Borgia, is it? Don't know. Don't think so. No. And uh, she was... Uh, she lived to the age of 16 and then died. And then nobody knew what happened to her. She died at 16. Died at 16. Okay, it's not Borgia. And fine. there was a suspicion that her husband killed her. Okay. Although, officially, it was like a fever. Right, yeah, or something. Yeah. But, there, but there was all these rumours going around that her husband killed her. This is, this is put out at the beginning of the, the book. Mm-hmm. A little note in there. And then it goes into this section where she's 16 years old. As it said, winter 1561. They're at this villa... Her ladies' maids aren't with her, they're, they're behind, so it's just the two of them. And she says, I think, I think he's, you see it all from her point of view, I think he's going to kill me. Yeah. And so you know, within sort of ten pages, this character is going to die at the end of this book. Yeah. Or is she? Because I've got to say, if I'd gone into this book knowing that that she was going to die, right. it kind of gives you a whole, well, what's the point of me reading this book? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because, okay, if, if the husband possibly did kill her, then we're going to either get a, a story where uh, 
it's it's clear that he did and got away with it. Yeah. Or it's going to be left vague so that it's not uh you know not clear on whether he did it or not. Yeah. Or possibly there's something else going on. Okay. Like is there a um did she manage to fake her death? Yeah. Did she get away with it? And I've got to say, going into this, within those sort of ten pages, I thought, well, the most interesting thing would be for her to have got away, to have gone and lived another life somewhere yeah. that nobody knows about. And so that was kind of what I was expecting all the way through. I'm not going to reveal any spoilers as okay. to whether that is what happens or not. Further teasing. But what? let me tell you a bit more then about what yes, happens. Yes, please do, yes. So after that first prologue, we then get Lucretia as a child and we get a bit about how uh, she came to be in the world, like her brothers and sisters, how many older than her, my father and mother and their sort of family set up. Yeah. We then get a bit about um, this, uh, this tiger that was brought into the, uh, the father's uh, sort of palace. Mm -hmm. He was collecting all these animals and Lucretia becomes a bit obsessed with it. And this it sort of um, meeting with the tiger kind of colours her whole life. It's sort of thing she always remembers. Right. Okay. And then we get like snippets of things that have happened and why this marriage then comes about. How the lady's maid tries to delay it because obviously she's just thirteen years old. Eventually, it does get delayed, and that, but then at sixteen, yeah, she's married off, yeah. and he and she goes off with him. Now, all of that pretty much happens within the first 100 pages. Okay. Uh, and I'll be honest, that was what slightly disappointed me about this book. Right. Because occasionally you jumped back and forth to her as a 16-year-old thinking, oh, he's going to kill me, he's going to kill me. Yeah. But the interesting bits came with her as a child and this and tiger and this family that, she, that were basically selling her off. Yeah. Um, which was obviously something that was done commonly at the, at the time yeah. but I was thinking I, I'd quite like to dig more into this yeah. and we kind, I kind of felt like it was rushed through uh, and then you get the, the remainder of the book is all about the, the marriage and, and then possibly what happens or what doesn't happen etc yeah. so yeah I did feel like I was fairly confident I knew what was coming and so when we got to the point of them being married, I sort of thought, oh, well, we've got 300 pages now yeah. of what I know is of, of what I know is going to happen. Yeah. Whereas the first 100 pages of this sort of just exploring this character and getting to know her was more interesting. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's when you've sort of got a, um, especially when you're facing historical stuff, you've got an ending that you know has to happen. You kind of go, well... Yeah, the getting there is an interesting bit, isn't it? And if you've yeah. done that within the first quarter of the book, you go, well, now we're just now, killing time. I will say, obviously, there is still this question mark over the ending of this of character. Course. So, okay. uh, and I'm not ne going to say I was necessarily correct, but that was the feeling that I had yeah. going into those last 300 pages, was what new stuff are you now going to show me? Yeah. So I was a little bit disappointed at that point. But Maggie O'Farrell still a very excellent writer. Yes. Um, and I think anybody who loved Hamnet yeah. is really going to like this book as oh, well. Oh, good. That's all right then. Uh, it's a big one, though. It's yep. uh, over 400 pages. It's coming out in hardback on the 30th of August, 2022. Guess okay. what? First book's in the UK. Exactly. You can pre-order it right there. It's £25, though. Oof. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to highlight that because 
we're at a point now where books are going up in price a lot. Especially hardbacks. I think you have to sort of... There aren't... I mean, you know, I sell books. There aren't many I authors I would buy in hardback no. anymore. Not for that price. No, and I think we saw it earlier this year with Patrick Gale. He yeah. was... His was a £20 hardback. Now, £20 isn't a abnormal price for a fiction hardback, but it's it was typically something that was ascribed to a blockbuster, what yes. call, like a Lee Child or a Martina yeah, Cole yeah. or an Ian Rankin, those sort of ones where it's the next in a series and people have to have it. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas previously Patrick Gale's been about sixteen ninety nine, eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. That's sort of the same level that Maggie O'Farrell would have been at. For them to put her at £25, I think, is a big ask. Yes. Especially as it's not part of a series. No, I suppose they're relying on the Hamnet fever, so. aren't they? I think, I, I think... And I'm sure it will still it sell. It will sell. I think a lot of people, and I know a lot of people already are saying, oh, I'll wait for the paperback. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be an interesting one to watch and see what it does. Yeah. Speaking of paperbacks, those prices are also going up as well. We're starting to see things going up to 9.99. Yeah. Some of the backlists of books going up to 10.99. Yeah. Um, and some books are still coming out at eight ninety nine, but then they go into reprint, like where the crawl down saying has gone into reprint, and yeah. now that's nine ninety nine. Interesting. Well. I remember so, when they were six ninety nine. Well, exactly. What so, a and I do think that we probably do undercharge for books in this country. I think very probably yes. But you've got to take people with you, yeah. and I don't know if we're maybe going a bit too quickly. Yeah, given um, everything else happening at the moment. Exactly, but the cost of materials is going up as yeah, well. Yeah, and the so, you know, cost of people's labour is a lot of people going to make yeah, a book, don't they? So, exactly. Yeah. So, um, that's a slight side note, but I just felt like we needed to talk about it yeah. because it's something that's happening and people need to be aware of it. Lovely, good um, to know. But, The Marriage Portrait, if you would like to pre-order it, it's £25 and it is at birthbooks.co.uk. Excellent stuff. Right, what's your next one? My second one is another one that you've read, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it's Under the Rainbow by Celia Lasky. <coughs> I will read you at the back. Big Burr, Kansas is the kind of place where everyone knows everyone, or so they think. But after being labelled the most homophobic town in America, a group of queer activists are moving in and everything is about to change. Linda welcomes the newcomers. The less they know about the death of her son, the better. Avery is furious at being uprooted from her life in L.A. She dreads her classmates discovering that her mum is the head of the queer task force. And Gabe, a lifelong Big Burr resident, is no longer sure about the life he's built with his wife. While new friendships are formed, elsewhere tensions reach boiling point, and every resident, old and new, must reconsider the true meaning of community. So I have read it. You have. I read it last year, I think, and I remember, I remember it sort of well. I yeah. remember how it's set up, but I can't remember everything. So why don't you tell us a bit about it, a bit more about it, and then I might suddenly remember something. Okay. So it's uh, broadly split into several chapters that take place over the two years that the task, the queer task force are in town. Each one is from a different point of view of a resident, either one of the task force or someone who was already in Big Burr, and um, the stories all sort of overlap with each other, same characters all turn up in each ones and you see a bit more about them, but all set at different times and there's a different person at the head of each one. The people who are at the head of each one are very different people. So there's one, um, Avery said in the back, her mum is leading the task force and she doesn't want the kids at school to realise that she's part of the family, so that's her story. There's a lady who is a very devout Christian and runs like a good mummy blog website 
and thinks she could be successful with that. And he's, oh, but she's a nut job. She's a nut job. She's abhorrent and believes that you know the gays are there to destroy the sanctity of everything and whatnot. Um, there's uh, Linda, the other one they mentioned there, who has been in town for a long time. Her son has just died in tragic circumstances, and she finds a community within the queer um, task force, who, and she accepts them. There's a non-binary character who's struggling with the situation. There's a gay couple who um, have moved to town and are struggling with their... Are they part of the task force? Yes, they're, yep. also, yeah, yeah. Um, they're struggling to um, adjust to that and the changes in their relationship. Um, there's a bisexual teenager who's struggling to you know, come to terms with that in a town where no one wants to know anything about him. Um, there are... Who's the other one? Oh, there's, and there's a guy who... Um, has been married for a long time and is starting to think actually he might be gay um, and the task force going to town obviously and that reignites him into going actually maybe this is what I need to be doing um, so yeah everyone has a very different take and outlook on the people arriving and um, yeah like it says everything is about to change because of these people coming in but at no point do I feel the queer characters are there to force it down people's throat they are just there to be we are normal, we accept, we are people, just, you know, let's just get on with this and do it. And it's the, it's the straight um, cis town folk who are just like, nope, not having this. And I remember reading it and I was a bit, I think I was a bit frustrated with the anthology-like nature yeah. of it. So that you'd get invested in a character and then you'd move on. And I thought we might revisit some of the stories, and you kind of do, but you also don't. No, I thought that too. I thought, you know, we'd get every few chapters between like four or five characters and then we'd keep going back to them and seeing how they progress. Well, you don't really. You get a chapter dedicated to one person and then in a later chapter there'll be a background character in it and you'll see a bit more what's happened to them sort of thing. But you don't get the full um, answers as to what's happened with everybody. Um, there's only one character who gets two chapters, which I won't say who it is because that sort of gives away the ending as well. Did you like it? I did like it, yeah. It was an interesting sort of way to do it. I think you could easily do it and just have it from the point of view of the task force, or you could have it just from the point of view of the residents, to actually do both, and everyone has a very unique opinion, and everyone is very, um, you know, has their own personality and character. So I think it's an interesting way to look at all these different um, uh, versions of what's happening yes. as well. And, um, you know, to see... Okay, yes, some of the characters are clearly horrible, but some of them have... You, you sort of understand why they feel the way they do, you know? Yes. It's just, um, even if you don't agree with them. And it makes... I mean, even... Let's, let, let's be honest, it doesn't highlight the townsfolk as the bad guys and the task force as the good guys, does it? No, both have problem, uh, problematic... You know, some of the, some of the task force... Uh, so the, the company who worked for is called Acceptance Across America. They volunteered to move to there for two years to sort of set things up. And um, some of them have sort of have been willing to move and some have been less willing to move. It was just a job opportunity. It was just something to do and they've had to go and live in the middle of Kansas now. What did you think of that? That seemed a bit odd to me. Seems a bit odd to me too. Um, the way that it's done... So they decided that the town is the most homophobic town in America and that's been done by... Uh, looking at voting records of places, acceptability, um, and then going through local residents' social media and seeing who's been stupid enough to be homophobic online. Wow. And then they've worked out, okay, this must be the most homophobic place in the world. And then a lot of the people in the town are kind of going, how dare you? Well, you I can know, say you, that... You've spied and snooped on us. That kind of makes And you've it, decided this. That kind of 
puts everyone's backs up. Well, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. get in. Because even if you're not, you know, if you're not homophobic, yeah. you've then just been labelled by these people as yeah. being homophobic. Then, well, hang on. No, I'm on your side. Yeah. Don't have a go at me. And you, so you're all, you're antagonising the people who are on your side. Yes. So there, you know, there are some people in the town who who don't care and are just quite happy and are willing to accept everyone and go. Yes, fine, lovely, welcome in. You know, carry on. Yeah. But can I have a cup of coffee? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't care. Just you know, go with it. But all the queer characters sort of going in, and they have their hackles raised as well, so expecting pushback constantly, and yeah. actually, just let, let everyone get on. You know, it's um. Yeah, some interesting characters, and interesting way the stories all link up as did, well. Did you learn anything from this book? I I remember sort of reading about like the sort of Christian characters, and mm. and not necessarily thinking that I went away understanding them better. No, I think they're they're the trickier ones because I just don't think there's they're not. They're, they're no sympathetic, you know. They're not. They don't have any redeeming characteristics. They sort of. I wouldn't go as far as to say evil, but they have. Their and, and, and we, their should pro- we should probably say when we say Christian characters, we're, we're not tarring all. Oh of the no, Christian characters. no, 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 no. There no, are a few sort yeah. of uh, militantly, militantly yeah. anti-gay. Yes, and they use the church as their reason for yes. being so. Yeah, yeah. So I think they. Um, you know, it is obviously. I don't know about the author, but I. I would gather she's. Um, Queer in some part of the task force. Yes, exactly. I don't That's know. A new euphemism. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, I don't know. There's, there's clearly, um, agenda feels a strong word for it. But there's an agenda for writing this book. Yes. And kind of going, okay, let's look at you know, this. Um, and this sort of book that needs to be written, I think, is important. But having those sort of characters, you know, she's tried to write the horrible characters, but at the same time. What prejudices we're putting on them as well, you know, yeah. like, like, you know, I can't remember what her name is, but she's the particularly nut jolly one, has been, you know, raised in a Christian in a small town where what you do is you go and you get married, you have two kids, and you, you know, yeah. you go to church. And, and she you, has got yeah. other issues going on. Yes, she's got definitely got marriage issues, but her religion says she can't divorce. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy in a lot of people, both, yeah. both sides of the, of the task force and the residents. Um, and that's, so no one's perfect, that's, isn't it? And it kind of feels like it was sort of saying homophobia is the symptom of something else rather yes. than it just being... Which I believe it... You know, I, I accept that some people just don't like gays. Yeah. And I think that there was nobody who really had that as a defining... There was always a reason yeah, they, why... Everyone, they, has, everyone had tried to justify it to themselves at the very least. Yeah. And, and I, I almost sort of thought it'd be interesting to have a character that was just like, nope, my kids don't like them. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But is that then too... I guess well, there's not much more you can do with that no, character. No, you can't do much with that character, and is that also suggesting that's an acceptable way to think? Perhaps. I think it's an interesting one, because I think, I think it is an... I, I believe it is an acceptable way to think. Yeah. I, I just don't think it's an acceptable way to think to voice. Or no, I, I, don't, I don't think it's the thing we should be encouraging and putting down in writing and going, look, here's a character, because all characters in books, you're supposed to sympathise with them to some degree, mm. and I think if you've got someone like that and you try and sympathise with them, it's it's very hard. Yeah, I just think that these people do exist. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah. So, sadly so. Good book, though. Good book. It's called Under the Rainbow. Yes. It's by Celia Lasky. It is available at birdsbooks.go.uk. Exactly. Well done. Now, this next book 
Go on. My final book of the week is one that uh, I loved the way it came into my life. Okay. So uh, I was... Magic Pixies. Magic Pixies. No, that's not what we call Twitter people. <laughs> uh, no, so I was randomly tweeting, as is my want as last is week, want. Uh, about how a very cute man had come into the shop and we bonded over a little life. Didn't shut up about it. Didn't shut up about it. Anyway, so I tweeted that. And somebody tweeted back to me that I should uh, read this book okay. that I'm going to tell you about in a moment because the character in it is working in a bookshop and he, uh, another guy comes into the shop and they bond over a little life and they fall in love. So you were recommended your diary? <laughs> yes, quite. I wish it was my diary. Mm -hmm. Anyway, let's, let's, let me tell you a bit more about Please it. Please do. It's called This Way Out and it's by Tafail Ahmed. Okay. And it is, here's the blurb. Amar can't wait to tell, tell everyone his wonderful news. He's found the one and he's getting married. But it turns out announcing his engagement on the group chat might not have been the best way to let his strict Muslim Bangladeshi family know yeah. that his happy ever after partner is a man. Ooh. And a white man at that. Dun, dun, dun. Amar expected a reaction from his four siblings, but his bombshell sends shockwaves throughout the community and begins to fracture the family unit, already fragile from the death of their mother. Suddenly, Amar is questioning everything he once believed in. His faith, his culture, his family, his mother's love, and even his relationship with Joshua. Amar was sure he knew what love meant, but was he just plain wrong? He never thought of his relationship with Joshua as a love story. They just fit together like two halves of a whole. But if they can reconcile their differences with Amar's culture, could there be hope for his relationship with his family too? And could this whole disaster turn into a love story after all? Lovely. So an LGBT plus Muslim plus person of colour novel. Yes. Which doesn't ticking. feel that common. It's ticking all the boxes. Yes, it is. Uh, so I, I've got to put it out there because I, I kind of knew this going into it because the person on Twitter told me that it, you know, it's not the story. That the, the whole bit of him and Joshua getting together yeah. uh, is, is within the first sort of ten pages. Okay. Uh, it, it is not, as the blurb says, it is not the love story of him and Joshua. No. This is, they're the two years into the relationship, they get engaged, and it's at this point that Amar decides to tell the family. family. Yeah. And he does it by possibly a cowardly way of just tapping it into the WhatsApp, sending it off, and putting his phone down. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a really interesting book because <coughs> he then eventually goes to see the family and there's all sorts of arguing um, and because it's I mean it's so against the religion yes absolutely and yeah. the a lot of people in this community are sort of second generation third generation yeah. so there are people who in their families who don't speak English even or who remember living in Bangladesh and where where they just weren't gay people. No, well well not yes. not known to be yes, gay people. Quite. Yes, I'd imagine. So it just what but it just wasn't a thing. No, of course not. And then they they come over to this this Western country and obviously they've decided to be here, but they are a community that are struggling to reconcile their traditional values with the Western community. Which I think is quite common, isn't it, in yes. a lot of places. You know, it's um Integration in here so far because you also want to respect your exactly your past and everything. That's absolutely a completely legitimate way of living, but um, I think also, you know, you have to then 
It's, it's hard to say that the world moves on. The world shouldn't have to. Or should, should yeah. But you, you have to respect the yeah, you have yeah. to respect the communities that you live in. Exactly. Yes. And part of that is, and this is what actually Amar starts to learn. Yes. Is that he is who he is. Yes. As, as the song paraphrases, but he hasn't. He doesn't really respect who everyone oh okay right he fine. knows the reaction he's going to get yeah but he doesn't stop to consider why they're having that reaction yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't stop to consider it very much and also he he doesn't stop to think about why he cares about their reaction okay interesting. Uh, so he he was in advertising he was a big job he basically got depression when his mother died right and he then ends up with Joshua, but he never really has grieved for his mother, not properly. And he starts to learn that the reason he cares so much about what his family think is because without them, he feels like he has no connection to his mother. Oh, okay. Right, fine. So um, it then becomes this big old thing, and um, basically there's then problems with Joshua, this whole perfect relationship, but it kind of falls apart because... It, it then becomes a big... He, he then starts perceiving slights uh, from Joshua's family. Right, And okay. he has a go at, his, at Joshua's mother on the night of the engagement party. Okay. He also has a go at Joshua for not standing up to him. Right. And some of what he says is absolutely valid. Yes. But some of what he is saying is, is overreacting. There's a selfishness to him. Yeah. Then. yeah. And he, he is, he's got it going in his head, basically... It's very life is very hard for me because I'm a gay Muslim. Yes, and you don't understand that. And at one point, Joshua everyone's was, going through stuff. You know, I yeah. mean, everybody's going through stuff. We are not. We are. You know, you're not the main character in other people's lives. Yes, but uh, what he then basically starts to. I mean, Joshua at one point says to him, "If you do not tell me what it's like, I cannot know." Yes, yeah, you, you keep telling me it's impossible for me to know that I can't have these experiences. And you're right. But if you don't talk about it, yeah. I, can't, I can't know what I don't know. No, of course. So it's, it's interesting. an interesting one. So he goes into therapy and he starts to basically resolve his issues. Okay. And I felt I, I learned quite a lot about the Muslim faith. Yeah. I'd, I knew some of it because I watched uh, Saeed and Christian on EastEnders. <laughs> uh, they had very similar storylines. Lovely, yes. Um, but I, but this this was different because it was sort of, I was inside the head of the character. Yes. Rather than just watching it on the screen. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And I thought, I, yeah, I, I learned more about it and I am really glad I read it. Writing style was slightly... I don't know. I don't know. I want to say odd. It, I recognised it as not being right, only because okay. I've been told by many people, you know, when you write something, you show, not tell. Yeah. And I've never always agreed with that. I think. No, I don't. I think there's sometimes, and there's a lot of telling in this book. Okay. But it works. Oh, there's, there's a lot of showing. It doesn't, it doesn't feel flat or anything. No, it's it just, doesn't. Right. It, it, it's just is it translated or is it? No, no, no. Because no, in fact, sometimes like a difference can't. No, well. it's, it's written in English. Yeah. Uh, oh, actually, that's the other thing I've got to say is he, he yes, they 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 have bonded over a little life and you know they love it and they, they, it kind of returns as a little bit of a returning motif throughout the book. Right. But also, 
the main character grew up watching EastEnders when he was allowed to, when he could. And at one point he talks to another character and says, what do you mean you don't know who, who Patsy Palmer is? <laughs> it's Bianca. <laughs> she says, Ricky! And then like, the guy's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it felt like this was me. It's very, it's very much in a our... very different background. Yes, and it's very much in our world as well. Yeah, he's like, very Western. Yes, but just, yeah, but from an Eastern... Yes. Yeah, yeah interesting so it's it's really a so it's more about the culture the fact that he's gay it's sort of by the by really it's about community and culture and it's just exactly. like you know okay and um, it's about him reconciling the east and the west yes essentially. yeah 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 I find it really interesting that um, you say that they bond over a little life because literature doesn't seep into literature that quickly no if characters in books are reading books they are reading Jane Eyre. They are reading Frankenstein. They are reading books. They're reading Harry Potter often. They're reading books that have been around for long enough. Harry massive... Potter is probably the most recent yeah, one. Definitely, yeah, yeah. There's, I, I reckon there are few books set in the modern day, written after about 2000, that don't mention Harry Potter at least once, or, men, or mention 9/11 actually. Yeah. They are the big cultural milestones in our life. So a little life is only about five, six years old, isn't it? Five. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. So uh, seven years old then. Yeah. But to have that as then be a central thing and just go, right, okay, we can now, this book is well known enough that we can go, let's talk about this, is really interesting and sort of shows how that has attacked the, um, the, the zeitgeist. zeitgeist. Yes, indeed, yeah, yeah. It, and it really has. Oh, um, God, yeah. It's one of those books that just everybody knows. Yes, since I've not read it, but I know of it. And, um, yeah, it's it's... It's what I would say is very is the very definition of a modern classic. Yes. I think the other things I would call modern classics are things like Time Traveller's Wife and yes. Cloud Atlas. Yeah. They're over 20 years old. Ugh. Uh, but they're, they are the sort of classics of the 21st century. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the most recent classic is probably A Little Life. Yeah. Maybe something like, I mean, some things like Where the Crawdads Sing or... Yeah, um, it's done very well. Uh, yeah, like maybe um, I can't even think of another. I, I had another one, but it, it miniaturist to some degree did very well. But I that's don't quite think a, a few years. That's a lot. Older I know. Than than I just think the sequels just come out. Yeah. yeah. And, so um, there are there are books that are getting there, but they're not quite there. Is mine there? Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. Everybody knows yours. <laughs> the the fourth square, the third wheel, third wheel. That's it. Yeah. So um, yeah, a little life. Yes bonds these characters and it bonded this book to me as oh, well so it's, bit, it's what made me read the book yeah and i'm really glad it did because i felt like i've got a new understanding yeah of something that i thought i already knew yes but i have now know it a little bit better that's good it's called this way out yep it's available at birthbooks.co.uk wonderful right now that's my word oh, i'm so sorry so, in other exciting book news, the Booker Prize longlist was announced this week. It was? It was. I just thought we needed to discuss this briefly, because I saw the list, and shame on me, I've read none of them. Right, ooh. So, Bert, what's your favourite on the long list? My favourite on the long list is Case Study by Graham McRae Burnett. Tell me more. Uh, it's about a um, woman who, uh, I've read it a long time ago, she goes to see a psychologist, and... Uh, it's it's a bit like true crime story in that it's this sort of oral history of something that went on okay. and uh, it's just a really interesting 
insight into this woman and the possible crime that was committed. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I want to revisit, I think, because it's been a while since I read yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Quite a few years. It feels like quite a few years. Yeah. But um, I think it came out in paperback this year. It must have been hardback last year, but I think I read a proof of it before. Oh, okay, right, fine. So, um, and I just, so much has happened um, has since rather, yes. then. So I haven't read it. Um, so that's definitely my absolute favourite of Lovely. the long list. That's good. That's good. But for anyone who wants to check out all the long list, they are all available at Burtsburg.co.uk now, aren't they? They are indeed. Yeah. I thought you were going to ask me um, how many others I've actually read. No, no. Because <laughs> I'd only read that one. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't going to embarrass you like that. No, no, I feel like I need to be honest. <laughs> and I don't think it is an embarrassment not to have read them because the the Booker... It's long a very list... specific set of literature that is picked for the longest. Yes, and it's always quite obscure, yeah. I feel, when it goes in. So the fact that I'd heard of quite a few of them, yeah. I was surprised about. I was surprised that Case Study made it onto the yeah. list, uh, only because I felt like it was possibly a bit too commercial yeah. for uh, the Booker. So, uh, but having, by having said all of this, I've almost guaranteed that it won't make the shortlist. <laughs> This is always happens with me. Uh, there are a couple more on the list that I want to read. Yeah. Small things like these, Claire Keegan. That's yep. sort of uh, uh, on my list. Uh, the Trees by Percival Everett. That one. Be, that one's been selling quite well. Yes, at first. that looks quite interesting. I was reading about that one today. Um, that was one that was already selling quite well. Yeah. So we already had some in stock, which is quite exciting. Lovely. Maybe I will try and read uh, one. Yeah. Of them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna have a look another look at the list and see if maybe there's any that I want to read. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to be that person who reads the whole long list. Not if you're not on the judging panel, there's no, no need. No need. No, no need. Right, so that's it. That's this it. Week. Yes, that's absolutely. We are done. Four books and out. Yeah, as I said earlier, you can email us, but at birdsbooks.co.uk. Tell us what you think of the book along list. Tell us what you think of Arsenic for Tea, Under the Rainbow. Tell me if you're looking forward to the marriage portrait, or if you have read, like I had, the uh, This Way Out. Or if you have fallen in love with someone over a little life in a bookshop. Oh, yes, tell us that as well. I'd love to hear that. That'll be very jealous. That's, um, yeah, no, I don't think I'd be jealous. I think okay. I'd just love it. Okay, then. I think I'd just like that. Uh, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram as well. Find us there at Burt's Books. And, of course, if you're passing, you can find us in the physical shop in Swindon's Old Town. Yeah. I don't think we say that enough. We don't say that enough. It's on, we're on the web, but we're also... Uh, on the in the real world. On the real world. On, on the, the streets. Re- on the streets. We're on the streets. On the street, homies. We've got to earn our money somehow. Yes. Uh, so I think let's leave it there. Yeah. I think I said. Oh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe well done. to we the go. podcast. I almost forgot to tell them not to forget. That's true. Uh, so do that. Remember as well. Get in touch and tell us. Just tell us that you've been listening. That Please. you've missed us. Wanted to know where we were last week. Can't keep shouting into the void. Yes. Well, we can. Well, but, uh, yeah. Yes, it might get a bit tiresome. Uh, Say goodnight, Michael. Goodnight, Michael.